good to be in the house of the Lord. David, in one of his psalms, in chapter 122, he wrote and he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Think of it, guys, that he was a king, but he said, our feet shall stand within thy gates. You know, to promote also ushering. David, a king, was saying that I would rather be an usher, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than sit on the throne and rule in Israel. So if you are an usher, don't demean yourself. Never think that you are the least in the house of the Lord. We have some great men who are also aspiring to be ushers. Amen. Um, it's so wonderful to be here. Just want to give special attention and uh, special thanks also to my friends who have been in my life. We have known each other for over 10 years with Pastor Franz and Anne. We have shared together quite a lot and, uh, you know, we share significantly a lot of things. They've been to Zimbabwe, they've come to attend our conference and what a pleasure it is and it was then and it is and it shall be to be with them. And they've also introduced us to some very dear people whom we have just, you know, loved so much from the uh, first day I met with this great couple. I want you to know that you have great leaders here. I'm telling you, I, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. You have great leaders here. <laughs> Pastor Chris and Melody, you are such an awesome team. And I pray that the Lord's blessing will be upon you for more years to come. I thank you so much even for inviting me and for giving me this opportunity, you and your a pastoral team, the eldership team, and leaders of various ministries who are here present and those that shall come. Uh, as you have heard, I have here with me my wife, who has been my friend, my pastor, my colleague, my bishop, my evangelist, my sweetheart. I mean, for those of you who would love to learn some Shona, my bonzo renyama. We have been together for 28 years. And I love you so much, Peps. You mean so much to me. <laughs> I also have here with me, let's just look at that. Um, the blessing that the Lord has given to me. That's my son, my firstborn. His name is Goni. As you can see, it looks like that. That was um, December the 5th, 2016, when he got married to the love of his heart, Lerato. They are now staying in South Africa where he's working together with his wife. And from my left to right, that's um, my daughter, Victory Orotadiwa, 14 years. And uh, that's my eldest daughter, Nyasha. Um, that's the last of them all. Of course, uh, the inquisitive one. We, we call her Doc <laughs> Chloe. And uh, the last one is Salome, who is here with me. And uh, we have come to plant Salome in Vinduk, in this church. Because we trust God. We trust God that Salome will be with you for four years. She'll be studying at UNAM. So that is the other reason why we are here this morning. 
Amen. Without further ado, because of my time, I would want us to get connected to the word of God because what else can men do in order to live and survive without the word of God? Hallelujah. Kim Walker, one of the, my favorite musicians, sang, says, There is no one like you. You are holy, holy. There is no one like you. You are holy, holy. Dear Lord God, that is the word and that is the prayer that is in our hearts and in our souls this morning. Father, that is the word that would love to say, to repeat and to say it over and over and over again. For indeed we know that there is no one who is like you, holy God. And yet you, as holy as you are, Lord, you have determined it in your heart, desired to be. Lord, in, 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 in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name and the whole church say, Amen. Amen. Turn with me this morning, if you may, if you have your Bible, to the epistle of Paul to Timothy, his son. Second Timothy chapter number 4. We are going to read a few verses from verse number 6. Through to verse number 8, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6, and it reads, For I am ready, being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And let's read together verse 7. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the rest, I have kept the faith. One more time, one, two, three, go. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the rest. Uh-huh. Right. Verse 8 says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who brings finality to all men's labor and troubles. Can I just start by reiterating to each and every one of us this morning, that no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what is going on in your life, there is going to be a finality to your situation. 
You may be looking at yourself and you are right at the back and maybe you don't even know your left from your right. But I want you to know that life was meant not to be permanent in terms of things that happen to us. Because God only is the one who can bring finality to everything that we are going through. And, and as I begin to speak right now, I want you to also understand that I, all, I already feel my faith is doing some gymnastics here. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, as we look at these verses which we have just read, we see that this is a valedictory statement which Paul is bringing and giving to his son. And most of the people do realize and understand that the words of a dying man are to be treasured. At this moment of reading this scripture or writing this, these verses, Paul was about to depart, knowing fully well that his time was up. And at this moment, he begins to write to his son Timothy. And we all need to understand that in as much as he was at that moment, particularly Writing with Timothy in mind, it has been also breathed upon by the Holy Spirit of God. So much so that it can also benefit us, even us who have been caught up in the Lord, even at this last moment. So we need to understand that Paul's valedictory statement begins by him telling his son Timothy a number of issues. And we see if we go a little bit, um, a little bit before the verses that I've just explained, we see that Paul was actually giving a charge to Timothy before God and Jesus. And that's scaring, isn't it? Because it's one thing to give charge when it is just, you know, me. But it's another thing to receive a charge from your dad and he's saying, I'm charging you before God and Jesus. And he says, I charge you. And in that charge, we begin to see a number of things. And I was so curious to want to know what is the meaning of the word charge. And I turned to my Greek Bible and I saw that the word charge in Greek simply means to protest earnestly. Or by implication, hortatively, it means to charge or to testify. To stand as a witness. So Paul is actually saying, I'm standing here as a witness before you, my, before God and Jesus to give these words to you, my son. And on verse two, he begins to explain to us the content or the context as he begins to contextualize what the charge was. In verse two, he says, the charge I'm giving to you, my son, before God and Jesus, is none other than this, that you preach the word. Many times we receive different commissions and commitments, at the times witnesses and charges from different people. But it's scaring, isn't it? When your spiritual father, or a man who has introduced you to the Lord, stands right there before you and he says, in all the words that I can speak to you, you need to listen and understand that the greatest of them all is this. That I charge you before God who has told you that you preach the word. And it was not just during the comfort 
or the comfortable times that Timothy as a young preacher or a young man will go through. But he says, uh-uh, you need to understand and realize that we preach the word in season and out of season. That means to say, when you like it and when you don't. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. When everything is okay and when there is nothing in the fridge. When you have friends and when you have enemies. You keep going, you keep preaching the word. He says, and this is what you need to realize and understand. That in your preaching, your preaching, your teaching of the word must be compounded by the following things. They must be conviction. And they must be rebuke. And they must also be exhortation. I'm sorry for those who come to church only for exhortation. I have brought bad news for you. Because there are times where we stand to convince. There are times where we stand to rebuke. And there are also times where we stand to exhort. I don't know what I'm doing today. Folks, because we live in times that are, that maybe people can call top study. Because the whole world is now almost upside down. Are you not aware that we live in times when we see enough humans, but not enough humanity? We live in times when the rich have enough rooms than children they have, while the poor have more children than the rooms they have. We live in times when smartphones bring you closer to those afar, but they distance you from those who are close. My family knows it well, that one of the rules of in our house actually says no smartphones at the dinner table. We live in times when we open more Facebook than the holy book. We live in times when the rich walk miles to digest food, while the poor walk miles to obtain food. We live in times when our possessions are more, but our appreciation is less. Brothers and sisters, we should come to a place where we realize that what the Lord has done for me, I cannot thank him all for all. And we need to keep thanking God even for the little things. One of my favorite writers and authors did not, I don't, I haven't read a book actually that she has wrote. Her name is Helen Steiner Rice. Helen Steiner Rice has written a lot of greeting cards. And I remember going through, you know, greeting cards. I wanted to get a card for someone else. And I looked at this one by Helen Steiner Rice. And it says, thank God for the little things. You know, I was in a shop. I was convicted. A preacher being convicted in a shop. (laughs) No preacher was there. But right there. Praise God. Folks, we live in times when a single mother can look after ten children and yet ten children cannot look after one mother. Such is the paradox of time. A man by the name Zion Zingas in his daily devotions once said, God forms man Sin deforms him. The school informs him. But only Christ transforms him. 
So this is the reason why we must preach the gospel of Christ. And only the gospel of Christ is what our nations are looking for. Everything else has failed us. Politics has failed us. Politicians have failed us. But the gospel of Jesus Christ will never fail us. We live in a perverse world. And when we look at times at the perversity of the world we live in, we are confronted by some of these things. Once a priest in America was invited to officiate at the wedding of two gay people. And after officiating right at the end, he struggled with how to pronounce the blessing. He didn't know how to pronounce the blessing. So after mumbling and fumbling deep down his heart for some time, he ended up just saying, I pronounce you men united. Maybe that's the reason why the English soccer team by the same name is called the Red Devils. The solution to the world's issues lies in the word of God. The whole solution. I'm sorry if I have many United fans here. I'm a Chelsea fan. If God hated Chelsea, he wouldn't have met this guy blue. And the whole church say, not all me. (laughs) The solution to the world's issues, friends, lies in the word of God. And not in the hocus pocus which is going on in many so-called churches or ministries today where God's people are being abused. May God help us that he may raise a kingdom people here in Vinduk. We thank God for what is going on. In verse 5 Paul was talking about Out being watchful in all things. Because as we get closer to the things that were important before Paul, as he was living and giving them as valediction to his son, he says there are things that you must always focus on. And he says, be watchful in all things. And I was going through it. My list of all things include Not all, but some of the following. That we should be watchful over our souls. And we should be watchful over our kids. Because the world is trying by all means to teach our kids everything else except to follow Jesus. And we pay for it, don't we? If you are a parent, you need to watch what your children are watching on television. It is very godly 
it is very holy for you to block some of their favorite channels. Because I wouldn't want my kids to be spoiled by things which I will not have strength or power to uproot when they grow up. We need to be watchful over our hearts. We need to be watchful over what we give, our giving. We need to be watchful of our attitudes. And we also need to be watchful over our mouths. I'll skip some of the things because of my time. I'll go to the other slide which says, Paul was giving a charge and part of the charge that he was giving to Timothy and to us also was for us to do the work of an evangelist. We may not all be called to be evangelists. But folks, we all need to understand that we are all given the charge and we can all do the work of an evangelist. You may not be an evangelist, but you can reach out to someone else. You can bring the gospel of Jesus to someone else at your workplace, on your campus, in your neighborhood, you know, your surrounding. There is someone who needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, there is nothing else that we live for here but to preach and to tell people that there is no greater love than that love that God has through Jesus Christ. That a man should leave the heavens, his kingdom, and come and die for us. We who are the least even in the kingdom. And when we begin to look at the confidence Paul had in meeting with Jesus Christ, What really mesmerizes me is the fact that Paul was so determined. He was so poised to meet with his master. In so much so that he was saying that I'm actually caught between the two. You know, to hear a man saying that I'm ready to leave. And we are talking of death, by the way. How many of us would want to stand and stare death eyeball to eyeball like Paul did? But Paul was so convinced that he began to speak to Timothy and say, I'm ready to depart. I'm willing to go. And there are certain things that we, you and I would also need to embed in our hearts. To listen to attentively and say, if it worked for Paul, surely it can also work for us. And what were some of those things? What is it that made Paul such a convicted father, convicted preacher of the gospel, that despite all odds, he said, I'm ready to go. And I've actually seen three points that were driving factor in his life and in his ministry. And let's look at the three and we close with that. Number one, the three main points that Paul was referring to Which we also need to understand. The first one is that Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. He was not referring to just fighting. Because as human beings we fight for many things. I have also discovered that even as siblings, most often we fight for eldership. How many of us have done that? At times we fight for positions. We fight for good things. We fight for greatness. I'm not saying those things are bad or evil. 
But Paul begins to speak to us and say, you need to understand that for me to be so convicted and so convinced about what is going to happen to me is simply because I look around and I see that I fought a good fight. I began to look at it and I studied so that at least I'll have a good picture of what Paul was referring to. I began to ask myself questions. What is a good fight? Paul did not say that I fought a good fight. But he said I fought the good fight. And I began to look up. And I saw that a good fight is not one in which I'm not beaten up. No. A good fight is not one in which I do not fall to the ground. A good fight is not one in which at times I wake up and say, seems like I've reached the dead end. A good fight is not one in which I'm the only one who is offering, you know, those TKO punches. But a good fight in one in which despite being beaten, battered, bruised, I'm bleeding, I'm about to surrender, I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at the future, and I begin to question myself, is there any value, is there any virtue in this? A good fight in one in which, right at the end, after all has been said and done, maybe your eye has swollen, and it seems like everything is not right, you can barely go past it, but as the bell rings, you are still standing. A good fight in one in which when everything else has been said and done, you see yourself and say, thanks be to God for by his grace I have made it. If it was not for this thing called grace, I would have been knocked out. A good fight in one is one in which you are looking at yourself and say, I don't know what to say about this because if it was only one day, if I had been given another day, I would have surrendered. And that is what Paul is referring to as a good fight. A good fight is one where you just don't give up no matter the odds. No matter what's happening to you. You just don't give up. In the movie Unbroken, I don't know if there is anyone who has, who has watched that. In the movie Unbroken, Tony which was short form for Tornado, which was his nickname. His real name was Louis, Louis Zamborin. Louis Zamborin was told by his athletics coach, and I caught the words, I want you to know that a moment of pain is worthy a lifetime of glory. Saints, the pain of this present day is nothing compared to the glory which is to come if we keep on fighting the good fight. It may not be what is right. It may not be what we want. But Paul also in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In verse 18, he says, Therefore, take to yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. It is what you are that is important. In the walk of faith. 
and not where you are. I'll repeat again. It is what you are. It is not what you are, sorry. It is not what you are that is important. But it is where you are. Praise God. It is not what you are, but it is where you are that is important. Because in this walk of faith, I've also discovered that those who look like models ain't no story to tell us. Because that those who have really gone through it all, they've been messed up by things. <laughs> I've been there before. And I know what it means, brothers and sisters, to have everything. And I also know what it is to have more water bottles in your refrigerator than juices. Coming from Zimbabwe, a nation that is so great, a nation full of warriors. As Pastor Chris has already said, one of the greatest nations on earth. Haven't you heard in the Bible that there's a portion which says that the least shall become or the last shall become the greatest. I received calls, brothers and sisters, more than 12 years ago, more than 15 years ago, when our nation started going through recession, turbulence, political climate, and things were not okay. I was invited by our every nation to be one of the pastors in Malaysia. A hefty salary. Tag was dangled there before me. I went, stayed, and preached for my friend in Pochefstrom. And immediately after that, Pastor Willem invited me and said, I need, we need someone, a strong black leader. Would you like to come and stay with us? Would you like to come and take over? And pastor. I also went to Botswana. And all these doors were opened right before me. But the things which were so dear to men, all those doors which one would gladly accept and move in, God closed all those before me and said, I'm not yet finished with you in Zimbabwe. And this is a place where during that time I had no salary. My kids want to go to school. Things were not okay. Economically, politically, everything was not going in the right direction. But God says, stay in this city. And I have things for you. And I remember very well one, one year after going, you know, for a long period, my paymaster, not God. <laughs> Was not paying me anything. I had no salary for over a year and six months. And I was crying before God and saying, Lord, you said you will provide, you will meet every need of my heart. He did not answer. How many of us know that there are times whereby... 
when you are preaching the word and you are in such a time, in such a moment where you really need like God to answer you right there. You know, I'm a preacher and I used to preach to my people and tell them that we need a God who is personal and up close. And here I am at this moment, I'm needing that same God who is personal and up close to speak to me. And God is not speaking to me, nothing. And after some time, I'm in church. And after preaching, there was this young woman who had just come for the first time. She was deaf and dumb. And as I'm preaching, all of a sudden, God opened her ears and she jumped up and she began to shout. I, she began to shout and her parents were there, just Got hold of her, ran with her to the front and say, she could not speak, she could not hear. And I was in tears as I fell down and began to worship God. And God says, son, how about that for a salary? <laughs> oh boy. I turned around and say, God, give me some more. The second thing as I finish, the second point, Paul says to his son Timothy, I have finished the rest. I have finished the rest. Paul is not saying, I have won accolades. No. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to win accolades. To win accolades, sorry. But Paul is saying that I have finished the rest. Let me tell you that if you are still more canvassing for attention and recognition, how weak is your faith? If you are offended and you stopped serving in the church, in the house of God, because no one gave you a pam-pam, how weak is your faith? Yes, those things are important. We all love those things. But brothers and sisters, don't give up. Don't stop doing what the Lord called you to do because no one is giving you a big round of applause for those things. The key word in all that we do is we must finish the rest. God did not call us to stop but he called us to finish. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11 he says I, re- I returned and saw under the sun that the rest is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. One of the greatest men to ever walk on earth for me was Martin Luther King Jr., And Martin Luther King Jr. said the following words, and I caught. In your life's blueprint must be a commitment to eternal principles of beauty, love, and justice. Life to none of us is a crystal stair. We must keep moving. We must keep going. And he says, if you can fly, then run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. End of quote. 
Sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. Tiptoe if you might, if you must, but take the first step. Because that is important in our life. We need to keep moving. We need to keep going. And finally, Paul's conviction came simply because he knew that he had kept the faith. And the last point is that you and I need to keep the faith. In a world of flitting fantasies, it is very difficult sometimes to keep on keeping on. Most of us are good starters, but some of us are bad finishers in life. And Paul is telling us that no matter what happens, let's aim to finish. Let's aim to keep the faith. Let's aim to keep the faith. Brothers and sisters, I've come all the way from Zimbabwe to tell you but just one word. That the desire of God, the desire of life is not for us to quit. Because winners were quitters who stopped quitting and say, I'll keep going. No matter the situation, no matter what's happening around you, let's keep moving. Let's desire to finish. We have people who are here today, some of them are looking at themselves and say, I cannot do it, I cannot make it in life. But I've come to tell you that don't you dare drop that baton stick. Keep moving on. I've come to prophesy to you and tell you That with Jesus on our side, all things are possible. I've just come to speak to this ministry and to this church. That yes, it is possible that we can finish the building. Yes, it is possible that we can reach Vinduk. Yes, it is possible that we can work and work and see God coming through. Yes, it is possible that we can multiply the church. Yes, it is possible that we can move into our third service, into the fourth service. Yes, it is possible that we can send even young people, young pastors to go and pioneer and plant more churches. It is possible as long as we understand that we must keep fighting. Let's keep the good fight. Amen. Let's keep the good fight of faith. May God help us because we do realize and we understand But at times there are many things that will begin to fight and challenge us. But you and I need to understand that I'm not going to drop it. Maybe you are here today and you are about to drop it. I want you to know that I've come to age you and to tell you that Jesus Christ is saying, well done. Do not drop it. Yes, I know that it's now difficult. At times you are just, you can barely run. You can barely walk. But no matter what's happening right now, the greatest thing for you and I, is even if it means that we are going to limp past the finishing line, let's do so. Because the interest of God is not in those who are going to be the first to finish, but it is in those who are going to finish nevertheless. So you are called, you and I, to run the race to the end. Brothers and sisters, let's finish what God has started in us. With this knowledge, And with this understanding that he who has begun a good work in us.
is faithful to complete it to the coming of the Lord. God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Maybe you are here today and you know you have lost your faith. Nothing is intriguing you anymore. Maybe because you have lost your first love for Jesus. You have been in church for so long and yet no one has followed your faith. You feel you are weak. You feel you are vulnerable. Maybe you are here today. Maybe it's your first time. And you're just asking, how is it possible for me to finish the rest? How is it possible for me to accomplish what the Lord has begun in me? Or maybe you are saying to yourself, Lord, everything that I've been doing was out of my own initiative. But I'm sensing in my spirit today that God is saying we can start together. You and I can become a great team. Are you here today and you're about to drop the ball? Or maybe you have not come to a time to a place where you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior. To walk with you, to help you, to run with you. you to move on and to go on with our eyes closed and our heads bowed this morning saints I want to give you an opportunity to come to a time where you know in your know in your heart of hearts that you can leave this place saying yes the Lord has done it for me there is a race I must run there are victories I must win the Lord Jesus has given me strength to remain pure and to remain true to the calling. First of all, if you are here and you have not accepted Jesus, you have not known him as your Lord and personal Savior, do yourself a favor by simply raising your hand high where I see it. And we are going to pray for you. If you are here right now, and you're saying, I want Jesus as my Lord and my personal Savior. Could you just raise your hand where I see it high? I want to pray for you. Anyone here this morning who is saying, yes, Jesus, come in my heart. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, I love you, save me. Anyone here this morning? Secondly, if you are here this morning, you are saved, you are born again. But there are things that are happening in your life seems like the enemy has been throwing spanners in your work you feel that you, you really want to run you want to do things but all of a sudden you feel Lord I'm getting tired I'm getting weak but this morning I sense in my heart that the Lord is saying I want to renew your strength I want to give you a renewed vision new vigor and vim vibrance which no one will be able to contend with you I sense the Lord is edging you and saying, yes, I want to deal with you. Yes, you are here, my sister, and you are saying, Lord, help me finish the rest. If that's you, would you just stand where you, wherever you are?
just stand to your feet please wherever you are you are saying lord jesus help me you're saying yes lord i want this stand to your feet wherever you are i want to pray with you right now hallelujah father i thank you in the mighty name of jesus thank you for my brothers and sisters who have stood in your presence this morning i thank you father god that they are standing not before us but before you lord i thank you for the things that you are about to do in their hearts and in their lives and i'm asking father that by your spirit you may kettle them in your in the warmth of your hands oh lord in the warmth of your love and to give them oh god that impetus to give them that strength that is needed that from now onwards lord they'll continue running the rest that you have set before them father i want to thank you for this church that lord my god in the building project none of them shall faint lord my god in their desire to reach out to the city none of them shall faint help the pastors help the leadership team oh god to continue lord my god running the rest and to the end father i thank you for that grace i thank you for divine enablement that is going to take them oh god even beyond lord limitations which the enemy might want to bring against them i thank you that every one of them has been removed and god you are god and you will bless them bless every nation vinduk bless the children bless the mothers and bless the fathers in jesus mighty name i pray amen amen thank you